Hey, we celebrate the last day of the liturgical year, or the last Sunday of the liturgical year, um, the Feast of Christ the King. But the whole um, Christian mystery that we celebrate year in, year out, with the incarnation at Christmas, the Paschal mystery at Easter, is leading to the end times, the final reign of Christ in heaven and on earth, the kingdom of God that he preached, will one day be fulfilled. And so we celebrate this, this feast um, in preparation for that and in recognition that in a certain way the king is already here. He's, he's come um, the first time in the form of a servant. And now in this time when his mission is fulfilled, but it is still being fulfilled, Christ has come, but we still await his coming. Um, there is uh, the sense that we are, are waiting and preparing ourselves for when he'll come not as a servant and a savior, but as a Lord and a judge. And all the readings today are about that coming, that awful and terrible day when the Lord of heaven and earth will raise us out of our graves and and will stand before the throne and be judged and separated, according to the parable. As Matthew 25 is um, one of the most startling and demanding parables in all of the Gospels, when the sheep are separated from the goats, the ones on the right go to heaven, the ones on on the left go to hell. Um, But even before these parables of the gospel, we see in Ezekiel, the first reading, um, that the priorities of the king, whether he is in the form of a slave, a servant, a suffering Messiah, or he's the Lord of heaven coming on the cloud, the Son of Man coming to to judge the living and the dead with all the trumpets of the angels blaring, um, his priority, his heart, is for the lost in both cases. We see that in the life of Christ on earth, in his time on earth that he gravitated towards the sinner, the outcast, the poor, the disabled, those who didn't fit or didn't think they were worthy um, for whatever reason, for whatever wound. Jesus sought those people out. He said the good shepherd goes not after the 99, but after the one who's lost. And there's so much rejoicing in heaven and on earth with one repentant sinner. Um, that the heart of the, of the king is always for the lost. And so he holds us accountable for how we feel about the lost, whether we hold up in our, our 99 little pasture and we think, well, that one, he got lost, but them's the breaks. Or do we serve the king with the king's heart? Do we, we uh, have the same priorities, the same mission as him? Because in the kingdom of heaven, where we all want to go, where we all want to get led into the master's joy, we want to be on the right side, uh, be the sheep who recognize Jesus in his disguise of poverty. Um, what it's like in the kingdom of heaven, he says, is that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Or in Ezekiel, what does he say? The lost I will seek out, the straight I will bring back, the injured I will bind up, the sick I will heal, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. Those who think that they are strong in this world, the rich, um, the skilled, the people who are liked, those people, uh, woe to them, Luke says in the, in the Beatitudes. But blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak, blessed are those who mourn. Um, we see images of this every once in a while. My friends who have been to Lourdes, France, where... Um, Mary appeared and this miraculous spring of water people still go to. Um, Maybe you've seen little bottles of Lourdes water that uh, is supposed to have miraculous healing powers and many people make pilgrimages there um, when they're in dire need of of some miraculous healing and doctors and medicine can't do anything. There's lots of people who have experienced just getting in this water all of a sudden some blindness or deafness or or, uh, physical malady is suddenly healed. 
And so people come from all over and they bring, kind of like um, when Jesus was in Capernaum, people bringing people on mats and, uh, and beds to, to just come before Jesus in this power. And they have processions there, I'm told. I've seen pictures where everybody's carrying candles and, and walking with these people who are seeking healing. And it's sort of like this image of, of the kingdom of heaven, like when we're all being ushered into the kingdom. Who are the first ones in line? Who are the ones who are kind of the royalty? Are the people in wheelchairs or on crutches or otherwise um, sick or, or disabled? Those are the people who all the strong and the sleek and the able-bodied are serving and bringing to the healing waters. That's, that's the image of the kingdom is that the last shall be first. We see with the eyes of Christ that those are the people that he really cares about. Those are the people he'll, he'll hold us accountable for, for caring for. Another story, I remember my, uh, my niece was born in 2008 with a congenital heart defect, and it was very severe, and she had to have several open-heart surgeries just days after she was born. She was on ECMO life support. Very, uh, very delicate time for our family. And um, my other niece and nephews, were their lives were kind of turned upside down. They were like eight, four, and three, or something like that. And... Uh, Gabby, when she was born, was just this, like, it changed the whole family because their whole priority was taking care of, of um, their sister, their daughter. And a few months later, um, just as kind of like a reward for the kids, they wanted to go get a pet, an animal. And they were at the pet store, my brother and my oldest nephew, Ethan. They were looking at the little, the little puppy paddock, you know, in the front window. Uh, or actually, it was kittens. And all these cute little kittens, and there was one uh, that my brother noticed had, like, the back of it was all shaved, and he was kind of looking, and what's the deal with that kitten, and it was missing a leg, and it obviously had, like, something was wrong with it, and they amputated it, and um, so she just had this little surgery, this little kitten, and at the same time, my nephew uh, notices the same cat and asks, hey, does that one cost more? And my brother's like, What? Why? And he goes, because she's fancy. <laughs> and I just thought that's such a, I mean, it's, it's a cutesy little story, but it's also like the innocence of a child sees after all of this attention and, and effort around his, his sister Gabby, who was special. She needed so much more attention and, and love in many ways than, than the, the children who were born healthy and strong. And he, in his childhood mind, had kind of, equated that like when you are weak you're more valuable you're worth more because you're fancy um i just thought i just love that image and and we get these little glimpses of of how god sees the world who he who he really his heart goes out for his his misericordia his mercy but one of the details that i often find difficult with this matthew 25 is how the both the sheep and the goats are confused when the Son of Man tells them, whatever you did for the least of my brethren, you did for me, or whatever you did not do, you did not do for me. Both of them are like, when did we see you in prison or sick uh, or naked or hungry? When did we see you? And they, they didn't realize what they were doing or not doing at the time. And so why is it that uh, Jesus comes to us, he identifies himself with these people, the people in prison, the sick, the hungry, the naked, why does he disguise himself like this? Well, one answer is to preserve our freedom. He wants us to come into the kingdom not by force or fear, 
but out of love. He wants us to have his same heart. Uh, Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, existentialist, he, he explained this. He was a Christian. But to him, the existentialist, it was about faith. It was about, in fact, he used the word, the leap of faith. That, um, to trust in God, to trust in Christ, uh, is an act of the will. It's not like somebody proves it to me that Jesus is God through some intellectual argument. That can help, but ultimately I have to choose. And he tells this parable of, of, of basically the incarnation, Christmas, what we're going to celebrate soon, um, that this king was in love with a peasant woman. And he comes down from his palace um, to court her, to ask her hand in marriage. But he knows that if he comes in all his regalia, all his horses and servants, um, wearing his crown, and he knocks on this little peasant shanty and asks for her hand in marriage, she will not be free. She'll either be terrified, what's the king want with me? You know, or she'll be so enamored and so overwhelmed by um, the status of being asked by the king, oh, I'm going to be the queen now, that it's not out of love that she answers the proposal, that answers the invitation. So what, the, what the king does is he divests himself of all his royal trappings and comes to her as a peasant, as an equal, even though he is truly the king, and she can recognize him by the way she treats him. She acts, he, he acts like a king, but he looks like a servant. He looks like a peasant. And if she'll answer that invitation, if, if she, she trusts in him and, and accepts his, his proposal, she will be a queen. She will rightfully be a resident and, a, and an, uh, an heir of all of that royalty, all of that palace. The whole kingdom will belong to her. But he doesn't want her to choose it for the wrong reasons, out of fear or out of greed but out of love. And so it makes some sense that, I mean, Jesus tells us that don't get confused about it. Whatever you did for the least of my brethren, you did for me. Um, If we want to find Jesus, he's not far. He's wherever there is someone in need, you know. And if we can see Jesus in the Eucharist, we can see him in the poor. We can see him in in the lonely, the isolated, those who, who are in need of love, the people that the shepherd, the king's own heart goes out to. But we want to not get caught off guard when the king comes, and he will come um, to judge us, to separate the sheep and the goats. And the one thing that he will uh, use to judge us is how we treated him in his distressing disguise of poverty.